Hello, welcome to the Lancet Planetary Health in conversation with. I'm Gavin Cleaver and it's February 2021. Our new special issue, which you can read for free online now at thelancet.com, is part of the Lancet Countdown on Health and Climate Change Collaboration and it looks forward to the negotiations taking place this year over the Paris Agreement. One article in the issue, Healthcare's Response to Climate Change, a Carbon Footprint Assessment of the NHS in England, assesses the NHS in England's impact on the environment and how healthcare services can contribute to reducing carbon emissions. I'm joined by two of the authors of the paper, Imogen Tennyson of the NHS in England and Matt Eckelman of Northeastern University in Boston, to discuss more. Perhaps we could start off then by talking about how you came to this. Like, How did you start quantifying the NHS's carbon emissions and how broad as well as like the scope of the emission monitoring that you've put in place? Yes, yeah, so we've um, been monitoring the carbon emissions for the NHS for a number of years and we're using a very broad scope for that analysis. Um, this is including emissions right through the supply chain and including some emissions in, in patients' homes as well. What we've done is align that with the the greenhouse gas protocol, which defines the standard for how to report emissions. And we're using what's known as a hybrid method. And this uses top down data sets to estimate the overall emissions through the economy and combines those estimates. And we've combined those estimates with bottom up data sets. So that's where we can monitor things like energy use, things like um, the gases that are used for anaesthesia um, and, and for inhalers. And we can use that bottom up information to provide a more detailed estimate of the carbon emissions for the NHS as a whole. So we're using the the best of both methods of using detailed data where we're able to use that, but also using overall estimates of the total emissions, which creates a really uh, a broad estimate. It really um, is inclusive rather than just focusing on in on the emissions that we can maybe monitor in more detail. Yeah, a bit more about kind of the history of of where the analysis came from. So back in 2008, the UK uh, agreed the Climate Change Act, and this set out a trajectory for emissions reductions for the UK. And so in response to this, the NHS formed a small unit called the Sustainable Development Unit. The unit was formed uh, using this sort of carbon footprint analysis as, as the kind of basis for saying, what is it we need to be doing about climate change? How do we respond to the Climate Change Act? And how do we really look to support those reductions uh, from the health sector side of things? Yeah, that's really interesting. Looking at things in like a broader sense, how significant are the emissions of health services generally? So it's interesting when you when you crunch the numbers and compare the emissions from 4% for the NHS in England. And when we look internationally, if we look at all countries' healthcare systems, it's right around 4.5%. Um, that number's different depending on the country you're in. So um, for Australia, the number's more like 7%. In the United States, it's a little uh, uh, above 8%. Um, but either way, these numbers tell you that this is a very significant sector. Um, just for context, the cement industry is about 5% of global emissions, and it receives a lot of attention uh, in terms of decarbonization planning and, and technology advancement. Um, but the, the significance in magnitude of the health sector emissions we hadn't really been known um, before these types of analyses were being done. And it tells us this is an area we, we really need to pay attention to in the larger context of decarbonizing our society. 
So if, if we look specifically at the NHS, what, what ability does it have to kind of directly affect the change in its carbon emissions? So there are multiple ways in which the NHS can influence its emissions overall. The numbers that we're quoting here are system-wide numbers. It means they include both emissions that happen directly uh, at, on NHS uh, sites, for example, emissions from ambulances that pull up to a hospital, um, but they also include emissions that happen all the way through the supply chain um, where the NHS isn't the, isn't the main actor. They're not the one actually doing the emitting, for example, in a manufacturer of medical supplies, um, but they're the ones that are ultimately inducing those emissions through their uh, purchases of those items. So in terms of direct ways that the NHS can take action, there are um, many technologies uh, related to building efficiency um, that can reduce emissions in terms of uh, both heating and cooling uh, buildings in the NHS estate uh, and also reducing the amount of electricity that's required to run those buildings. There are also transportation-related improvements, for example, more efficient vehicles or electric ambulances and encouraging people to uh, take public transportation or walk um, to their appointments um, also makes a big difference in terms of reducing transportation emissions. Supply chain emissions are a bit more complex because there's not that direct level of control. Um, so reducing demand is one of the major ways that we can see the NHS reduce its supply chain emissions. And reducing demand can have many different forms. It can be reducing waste, um, clinic waste or, or administrative waste in terms of uh, uh, pharmaceuticals use or, or medical supplies or even uh, office supplies. Um, we can look for better substitutes, essentially lower carbon versions of products that we already use that offer equivalent or even better function. Um, they, we're seeing a lot of this innovation um, from the manufacturer's side where um, they can make items that work just as well using materials that don't require as much in terms of carbon emissions in their manufacture. Um, and finally, there's partnership opportunities. Uh, many companies around the world are setting targets for reducing their own uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and some of them have claimed they've already met these targets. Many, many of the um, large companies around the world uh, have such programs. And for NHS to uh, have a partnership with these companies, the major suppliers into the NHS, to set simultaneous and ambitious targets together that match with the NHS's own ambition in reducing its supply chain and, and overall emissions. Um, this is another way that the NHS can influence um, these indirect emissions that occur in the supply chain. So a lot that can be done, but also there's a lot that's been done already. So uh, it was highlighted in the in the article that emissions since 1990 have kind of fallen significantly. The the headline figures were a reduction of 26 percent since 1990. Uh, what are the main reasons behind this reduction? Yeah, so a substantial contributor to emissions reduction since 1990 has been the change in the way that the energy system uh, works. So decarbonisation through reduced use of coal and also moving towards more sort of gas-fired gas boilers and indeed um, combined heat and power. Also, the electricity emissions uh, through, again, through the energy system have reduced down over, especially these latter years, um, where electricity is, is much more, much more carbon efficient. 
And we've benefited from that, um, both in, in our own buildings through the, through the improvements that have taken place there um, in terms of yeah, shifting our own energy uh, supply and what that looks like, but also um, throughout the supply chain, the goods and services that we buy have also benefited from this shift away from coal and towards these, these lower carbon emission energy sources. So looking forward then, what's the future for, from now on for monitoring and minimising the NHS's carbon emissions? So obviously the publication of the Delivering Net Zero, uh, Net Zero NHS report uh, is significant in um, the NHS really um, embracing this agenda and taking this forward. And as Simon Stevens said when, when he launched the report, you know, that this, the climate emergency is a health emergency. And this really is building on the great work that's already been done by the NHS in uh, reducing emissions and also moving towards a more sustainable healthcare system. In terms of monitoring and, and sort of minimising the NHS's emissions going forward, certainly on the monitoring side of things, th there's a lot of uncertainty in these results. We've had to bring together quite a lot of different data sources and um, improving the data flows, uh, improving the, the bottom-up information would, would be really significant in having greater certainty about what the, what the emissions are going forward. There are parts of the carbon footprint that we've not been able to quantify yet. I mean, hopefully they are they are small and, and not as significant as some of the other portions of the carbon footprint. But things like hydrocarbons that are used in, as refrigerants uh, and also sulfur hexafluoride that's used in eye surgery are sort of key areas that, that we've identified as being areas that we want to monitor going forward. Maybe I'll just add on top of what you said, Imogen. The footprint provides a basis for comparison and it allows us to track progress over time at a high level but because of the hybrid uh, approach that the footprint uh, took we're also able to track bottom-up data um, over time and having high quality bottom-up data um, looking at purchases of individual items that we know are both high carbon and the NHS's purchasing and using in very high volumes, that allows us to set priorities and say, this is an item or this is a product or this is a process that we want to focus on to find substitutes or to spur innovation to find um, new ways of delivering um, care with a lower carbon alternative. Well, you can read Imogen and Matt's work online now at thelancet.com. It's called Healthcare's Response to Climate Change, a Carbon Footprint Assessment of the NHS in England. Imogen, Matt, thank you both so thank much you. for joining me. Thank you for listening to The Lancet Planetary Health in conversation with. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you usually get your podcasts. And we'll see you again next time.